0: Welcome to the Jeff Gross podcast. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to partypoker.com to play tournaments, cash games and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes. All right, welcome everyone. We have another very special podcast guest. We got Anna Rudolph here. She's known as Anna Chats. She's a streamer, gamer, she does it all. I saw her playing Minecraft today even on Twitch. She's she's expanding horizons. Anna, how are you?
1: I'm feeling great about uh, my noob skills at Minecraft as we were chatting uh, with Jeff about other games. I'm not going to do spoilers, but I'm really happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I I have always been interested in poker as an amateur. Like I'm sure we will delve into it in more in more depths as well but i'm a fan of the poker world and how big brain you guys are those of you who are good at poker so i'm happy to see this crossover between chess and poker and talk about the two worlds
0: Um, Yeah, no, it's, it is as fascinating. I actually, like I was just mentioning you before that I just took my first chess official lesson (laughs) yesterday with Jen Shahadi. We did a podcast. It was great. So kind of chess week here. I've had uh, Alexander Botez on as well. So you guys, and I'm sure you guys all know each other fairly well uh, in the, in the community. And uh, yeah, it's really cool to see chess. Uh, Everyone wants to know so many questions. I'm just going to get out of the way uh, because of Queens gambit. There's so much talk about this. I watch, I don't really watch TV. I did watch the series. I thought it was really well done. Fascinating. Uh, Have you seen a, a, a huge boom with that and how has how that kind of impacted maybe with the COVID as well, with gaming? You know, what factors do you think are are so why chess is just booming right now?
1: I feel like the Queen's Gambit for sure is one of the factors. Um, I would consider that maybe the, the second wave of chess boom. The first one was at the start of the lockdown, in my opinion, because chess was one of the few sports that could continue organizing tournaments. So I think similar as it would be with poker that you can play poker in person, and you can also play poker online. Luckily for chess too, it's a very similar situation that even though the most serious super tournaments are organized over the board, so you need to travel to a location or the grandmasters we be ac- accommodated in a hotel for a week and a half or two that the, to- the tournament will last. Uh, that would be a normal super grandmaster tournament, but because of COVID and the lockdown situation in most countries, obviously everything had to pause I put stop on organizing events in general and chess was one of the few sports that could be broadcast as an online tournament so the same the same players the same people world champion Magnus Carlsen grandmaster Hikaru Nakamura and the rest of the top players went to compete now online instead of their over the board tournaments and i think that was a great initiative by magnus and his team chess24 organized them the magnus carlsen invitational and that kind of lifted the chess boom off at the start of the pandemic as as sad as it is that we we are still in this uh, very rough situation but for chess ironically it helped because football and the rest of the physical sports uh, weren't broadcast there were no events while chess and um, esports and i guess poker too uh, we benefited in a way that this was something to watch and people could be entertained and educated if they wanted to learn and improve their chess skills too, suddenly that they had more time at home.
0: Absolutely. No, it makes perfect sense. And, and how have, I guess you born? You were born and raised or born in Hungary. Is that correct? And, and you were, uh, is, is that something that is, is very popular in Hungary? Is, that, is this normal for, for people to just play chess kind of at a young age? Is this, would you say, one of the more popular, I guess, sports or games, uh, that, or is this abnormal?
1: It is popular, but it's not that normal. It's not that common anymore that everyone would play chess. I think back in the soviet era um it was more common chess was considered a profession back then you would have a salary by being on the olympic team and uh, obviously nowadays it's still popular especially since we have players like the polgar sisters that most people are are familiar with the name of judith polgar she has been my idol ever since i was a kid and then we became teammates on the olympic team and and eventually friends so it, it for me it was a fairy tale story that i someone i looked up i had her signature i i i just so admire judith's career and still am a huge fan of her but i also have become a friend of hers thanks to playing on the same team with her the same chess team for the chess olympiad Um, so i think people do know how to play chess most people would know how to play chess but it's not that common to to pursue it as a career
0: Right. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I think, you know, my interpretation and people ask me all the time, how much do I make on Twitch, which, you know, again, it's very private and and never would answer, but I, I think people need to understand like that is, there's a way to make a living. There's a way to, to create your own brand, to do what you love, whether it's poker, chess, some of these other video games and games. And, and is that, that seems like something that with chess, it's different because there's not really the tournaments in general that they're, they're not like, when you play chess on, on Twitch or a daily basis online, you're not really playing for money. Is that correct? Or is there ever money games and and is there certain tournaments? Is there prizes? How, can you explain a little bit about how the the economy works though in chess and and uh, what the tournaments? You know what what does a top tournament prize pay and and how does that work and these type of things.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I, I think Hikaru broke it down on, on his channel a few days ago and I'm looking forward to watching the video about it because I, I wasn't present there live and I was like, all right, this is an episode I want to watch. But what I have seen um, as a not, not top chess player, Hikaru, I'm talking about Grandmaster Hikaru Nakamura, for those of you who are not that familiar with chess, he's a five-time US chess champion, top chess player. So i I, I will be very curious to listen to his thoughts about this, but from what I have seen as someone who played on the Olympic team, so I did make it to uh, some achievement, but that achievement is not a full-time job achievement. In chess, I think chess players only make a full-time living out of chess if you are in the top, very top of right. the of the list i don't know if it, i don't know if it will be top 20 top 30 but you have to be at the very top and there are so many people who become even grandmasters grandmaster being the highest title at chess and unless you start giving chess lessons or nowadays what helps too is that there's a thing called streaming um so you need to add something to that just by competing a Grandmaster will not make a full-time living because a normal tournament other than the Super Grandmaster tournaments um, where Magnus and the rest of the top players compete those are the tournaments ha- that have the highest price funds but every other tournament would be for instance an international chess open tournament could have maybe a thousand or two thousand euros as first prize, and if you don't win the first price you are not fully funding um, the, the expenses of your family. And right. the tournament can last up to 9-10 days. So you're spending half a month on a tournament where maybe you, have, you end up winning 200 euros. So in that sense, competing at chess, unless you're at the very top, is uh, not a full-time job.
0: Yeah, that, it's interesting because, I mean, it's similar to Olympic sports. You know, I, uh, I, I'm i pretty familiar with how it works. And, and there's a lot of sponsorship. And same thing, like the top, even you can make the Olympics in certain teams or or be at the highest level and you're not really making a living. There's other people doing other things. So I think that's nice about Twitch and and content now where you're able to have some opportunities to build your own brand and supplement yourself, find creative ways to, to get sponsorship. Is that because I guess if like let's take before Twitch. And 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 before there was this type of stuff, it's kind of hard, right, to get sponsored or you'd have to almost get sponsored. Like, is that something that people would do? Families would do is there programs like let's take Twitch and social out of it. Take 10, 15 years ago. What was your understanding? Yeah. How were people you know, competing? Was it was it basically they were getting funded, self-funded because it wasn't really like sponsors were. Sponsoring people to go play chess, and now there are sponsors, right? You have sponsorships. Some of the top players get brands to 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 back their shows or or to be involved. So, kind of tell me how that sort of shifted, and, and and how drastically has that shifted in the last few years?
1: It certainly has shifted a lot, and as you said before, Twitch before content creation added um, a different, a new way of of uh, income to chess players to. It, sponsorship wise I think maybe some of the players managed to get sponsorships or in some of the countries where chess is more popular being on the Olympic team can give you either a salary or a part-time salary I, I for instance uh, me too I was on a scholarship for being on the Olympic team for a year or two but it wasn't like it's for your full full entire uh lifelong chess career sometimes you do get a bonus for it sometimes you don't and it still is not a full-time salary so i think in most cases what happened Uh, before content creation is that a title chess player would start coaching most of the chess players who didn't make it to the very top so they couldn't make a full-time living out of competition they would end up giving chess lessons and that's very common that a grandmaster international master basically it doesn't even matter at what title but there are so many people that that seek uh, becoming a teacher or a coach of chess and giving chess lessons having pupils which I think is fine as long as you like teaching, but I have seen also, sadly, quite many cases where it's clearly that the Grandmaster had an aspiration of becoming a very strong player. And even though they made it to the very top rank, they can't make a full time living by competition. So they end up giving lessons, but they don't enjoy giving lessons and they are not really motivated. It doesn't come from deep within that they want their students to do their best. So they may not even like working with children and they end up teaching kids. So those are, those are, I think are some sad cases where it's out of necessity that they give lessons instead of really enjoying and being a teacher, being passionate about education.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a great point. I think this probably happens in a lot of different different uh, industries and and in different games and such. And poker for sure. There's people that play poker for a living. I know that aren't really happy or they lose the love of it. And and same thing. And what about uh what about teaching for you? Have you ever give done chess lessons? Is that something that people at home watching? Is that could they get in touch with you? Or at this point, are you just you know you look at it like ah an hour of teaching, or I could do an hour of streaming? I'd imagine you're you know I listen. I know you're in you're in high demand let's just say what it is you are it's hard you know i, I had to, we had to pencil this in from a long time away and, and uh, i know how it is so what is, could i get chess lessons could someone reach out and is there a price tag for your chess lesson or is that not something you're doing in the moment
1: i don't give private lessons anymore but i do work with streamers so for, for instance what i have done now with content creation is that there's a tournament series called Puck Champs, where content creators, streamers, gamers pick up the game of chess. They may only know how the pieces move and then they sign up for this big chess tournament. So we end up coaching them for a month. It's part of the tournament that prior to the event, we have a month of sessions with the streamers and depending on how enthusiastic and motivated they are, some end up taking many lessons. Others may just take a few or they, they might not be the Taking lessons on stream, but they try to learn on their own. There is an upcoming event for poker players that I'm involved in too. The Joker's Gambit that will be on Hikaru's channel. It's going to be a two day charity event. And it's a similar idea that uh, you guys, poker players, you, you know how to play chess, but maybe you have never taken a lesson. You've just said, Jeff, that you had a lesson the, with, with Jen, uh, just the other day. So I think it's it's always great when when you see someone who is an expert of one field picking up a new game and uh, just being ready to be a noob again as I, as I was saying being a noob at Minecraft just a few hours ago I was playing on my channel this game for the first time and uh, I think that the Joker's Gambit 2 is great that it brings together some of the top poker players but you guys will be competing at chess which is not your forte and at the same time it's gonna be for a great cause and good fun
0: i did see this i've i've uh yeah i, I saw that. Is, that is it too late like what is the ability to register or what is the skill level and what is the what is the exact cause can you maybe talk talk a bit more about that i've seen a lot of familiar faces in it uh and is that something that it's like chess is so different than poker right because it's hard i'm not going to beat you in chess like it just won't happen like we're not going to go on here and 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 do that whereas if we play poker you could beat me especially with some you know go all in there's math and luck there there's a a more of an element of luck where chess there's not so uh how how is that structure is it just pure chess or is there some handicaps for the um for the for the poker players or we just is it just go best wins good luck
1: you're right that at chess, if you and I play, unfortunately, because I've been playing for too long, it's going to be very difficult to have a chance. And maybe even if I don't know how to play poker, I could get lucky, at least with a hand or two. So you're right that that element doesn't exist in chess. Um, for the tournament, it's a... Uh, mo- Every participant comes from a poker background, so there will be no chess player in the field. That's that's the the one that will balance out somewhat uh, the tournament. That I think all participants have. Um, almost no chess background. Daniel Negrano maybe is one of the more experienced players because he has competed in the previous edition of PogChamps. But um, most of the participants would just know how the pieces move. And from there on, uh, once you once you enroll in the tournament, it's all about, you know, taking a few lessons here and there, practicing, solving puzzles, and and see how good you can get within a month or so.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And when is that actually taking place? Because I, I, my literally had my first chess lesson just yeah uh, yesterday. So I'm you know I'm level 0.001. But when is that? When can people tune in and enjoy that? That'll definitely be fun to watch. Do you know when that takes place?
1: The dates are not set yet. It's supposed to be end of April or May. I think they are waiting on some of the poker events to see that there's no, uh, no clashing because i don't know which poker events take place in april and may but i think that's that's the one they are waiting on it's going to be a two-day charity event on the gm hikaru channel called the joker's gambit
0: very cool well that's going to be must see tv and, and definitely going to want to check it out <laughs> carl uh, i know legend absolute crusher and, and really impressive guy i think you guys are you part you, you do streaming with him or a part of a, a team or a, a can you explain your relationship there with the carl
1: absolutely yeah uh, we have been working and by we i mean mainly Gotham Chess and me Gotham Chess's international master Levi Roseman and right. myself the two of us covered the Champions Tour events on Hikaru's channel the Champions Tour is a tournament series that runs for almost an entire year it has a 1.5 million dollar price fund which at, in chess is a lot in, in poker i guess they are bigger price funds for a year of, uh, tournaments, but in chess that, that is the biggest price fund for tournaments. tournament series. So Hikaru is a participant of it and obviously when you're competing you cannot be streaming that and talking about your games as you would do a normal stream, like it's not a casual tournament, it's playing against the world champion Magnus Carlsen and the rest of the top players so Hikaru competes and we take over his channel uh, for his competition so that we can broadcast the event from his perspective, we focus on his games and he joins us every day after he finishes uh, the rounds of that day, so it's it's been already the past a um, couple of months half a year or so that uh, we are team hikaru we cover his events and uh, we also do charity events and this this is for this year our i think our biggest goal that uh, hikaru um has stated that we should we should raise three million dollars uh, with the previous event that finished just a week ago we have finally crossed the one million mark but we still have two more millions to go and it's amazing to see when the chess community comes together and it's not just the games and the broadcast anymore, but it's fighting for an even more important cause. Uh, We are raising funds for care to fight poverty and hunger in the world globally. And that's, that makes the, the, it gives another meaning to the broadcast.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. And and speaking of poker and chess, we were the kind of reason we first got connected was with choker, um, say, you know, shot to Andrew, that was really, I love the idea, because I think that the, the beautiful thing about backgammon about poker is it's like got the, in my opinion, the perfect combination of skill and luck chess, as we mentioned, you know, you're uh, you hold the FIDE. Am I saying that right? Or how do you, is it? FID, do you say the initials? Or is it called FIDE? What, how do you pronounce that? FIDE?
1: FIDE? Yeah, you can say FIDE. Yeah.
0: So Fida, you have a, a, a titles of international master and women grandmaster, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah. you know, in a. And then the game choker, which, you know, like it, it's pretty cool. Like they, there's actually some drawing there's luck. Like you and I actually, I could be in choker in theory because of, you know, the distribution, you might even resign or I can, they bring uh, betting in where I could go all in. Yeah. You might just fold uh, on a particular spot and it's, it's pretty cool. And they have made tweaks along the way. What was your experience with that in that game? And I think you got to the semifinal or final. I can't remember now it's been a while, but that was uh, fun to watch you play and sort of figure this new game variation out. What, what do you think on that?
1: I loved it. I think choker is a great idea. So as you said, what's missing from chess in comparison to poker is that there's no real luck element. There's no variable that would give a beginner or a less experienced player some chance. So if a titled player plays against even an intermediate or advanced level player, it's almost always that you end up losing. Or in best case scenario, maybe if you have studied a lot, you practice a lot, perhaps you achieve a draw. But to to win against an experienced grandmaster that's that's basically in chess an absolute no chance situation with choker everything changes in that sense i didn't do too well in the choker cup but i played a match against hikaru and that's I think a very interesting situation because I know that even though I played on the Olympic team and um, I have the international master title, that's 2,400 rating points, grandmaster is above 2,500. So that's the grandmaster title. Hikaru is way above that, obviously. He's a super grandmaster. But in chess, I have zero chances against him. As I said, maybe if I have a really good game, perhaps I achieve a draw. Maybe I could make half a point, but to beat him is kind of a mission impossible at chess. When I played against him in choker, we played a couple of games as a mini match. I actually had one one hand where I had a queen up I had a queen versus his rook and he even like this he managed to create a fortress and defend because I ran out of time but I had a winning position because I got good cards and he didn't fold in that game so I felt like finally have actual chess chances against him but that's because of the poker element of choker which is the the initial stage of what cards do you get and how do you use them how do you bet so that was really cool to experience
0: yeah no it was it was fun to watch and fun to kind of see that that brought in so i thought that was uh that was really cool and and you mentioned could you explain olympics and chess because there's been this idea about olympics and poker and could it be an olympic sport so chess could you explain is that when you say you're an olympian you're an olympian for your country how many people get to participate from each country and is it done by age or women and men or break it down what does it mean to be an olympian in chess
1: Sure, sure. Yeah, I get this question a lot on, on stream as well because it's in my bio that I'm a former Olympian. But I'm in the bio, right? <laughs> yeah, I am proud of it. But I also understand that it can be confusing because chess is not a Summer Olympics sport, nor it is in the Winter Olympics. So then people are like, OK, why is it Olympics? So chess has Olympiads separately organized every two years which is great in comparison to the every four years Olympiads or Olympics in a way that we have twice as many chances of winning a medal and it counts as an Olympic sport. There's all sorts of criteria listed for which sports count as Olympic sports, chess Uh, According to that list counts as an Olympic sport. And in in countries like Hungary, it is rewarded uh, just the same way as uh, someone winning at the Summer Olympics, a gold medal. If you win a gold medal at chess, you get the same reward for it, which is, I think, amazing. It's amazing. And uh, the Olympic team would consist of four players and the reserve. So four players competing at the same time. Chess is not a team sport in a way that you cannot discuss your moves and you, you're not making, You're it's not three people thinking over one board, but you add up the points. So it still is an individual game. You add up the points and that will decide whether it's 2-2 two, two, or one team wins 3-1, two and a half, one and a half, And it does at some stage, team strategy to it in a way that if you see that one of your teammates is winning because you're sitting next to each other. So it would normally be an over the board tournament and you're sitting next to each other. If you see that your teammate is winning, you can maybe change your strategy strategy to being more solid and uh, just not risk that much because you know that your team is going to be leading and you don't want to, you don't want to give unnecessary chances to your to your opponents in that sense but the opposite would happen if if one of the players are losing because then you need to save your team and you probably need to take more risk than usual so in chess we don't really bluff we don't really go all in but sometimes the tournament situation might require that you you go for something sharper and more dangerous and sometimes not so sound of a combination just right. in order to try to um, to get your way back into the game so that would be a chess olympiad and the uh, hungary for instance has won a couple of medals and what that means for for their olympian status is that in hungary this is just for hungary but I, i'm pretty sure that in russia and other countries too there would be some kind of a system like this that after the age of 35 if you have won a medal at an olympiad olympics or chess olympiad two in this case counts then you receive a monthly salary for having received that medal and depending on the color of the medal it's one amount or the other so obviously gold medal being the best
0: i've never heard that that is fascinating all around i did not realize that so is it is it on like odd years or even years does it co- coincide with the olympics like the the or in, in every does it hit or they do it on odd years so it doesn't match up with the winter or summer every um, two
1: good question so it was 2016 2018 2020 that does that does add up right yeah, it, well, it, when it, was it, the it, last Olympics yeah. now I'm confused uh, yeah. I think well, it does it, it should
0: be right now I mean it was going to be last year in Tokyo now it's the summer in Tokyo so 20 but normally it's every four years on the even yeah, yeah. before before the Olympics.
1: pandemic hit and yeah. everything got messed yeah. up I think it 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 did coincide and a uh, fun fact that uh, we we traveled as the Olympic team to Beijing the same year where the Summer Summer Olympics were hosted in mm-hmm. Beijing. Just a month or two after the Summer Olympics, they also organized the Mind Sports, uh, the Mind Sports Olympics in a way that it was. An event solely for mine sports, chess included, and we were accommodated in the same Olympic Village, right next to the Bird's Nest. So the entire Olympic. You were there too. I, there.
0: I went in the inside the village <laughs> there as well. Yeah, that was really fun. That was cool to be. Oh, there. my uh, my friend. Yeah. Was- and, and got to uh, go and watch. That was the first one I've been to a lot. I went to uh, London as well and Rio and um, I, I won't be going to Tokyo this year. But yeah, it's, uh, it's it's fun. I mean, it's a great environment. It's great to see everyone come yeah. together. And um, You know, that's really cool. That's I, I, fascinating. I honestly, I didn't understand that that's how it works. So they don't actually pair it That was just like by chance, or maybe they did that year, but it's not every year. They don't match it like in the same city as the, uh, it wasn't in London. It wasn't in Rio. It wasn't in the winter sports like those years. They're not putting the, the timing it right after every Olympics, right? It's in separate venues and locations generally. Yes, right?
1: so unfortunately, that was the only time it coincided. And it wasn't the Chess Olympiad itself, but a similar theme event, the Mind Sports. Uh, uh, I don't even know what was the full name of it, um, but it was like a mini Olympiad for Mind Sports. Uh, other times, you're right, it's a separate event, different country, different location.
0: I'm surprised poker's not in there. I know it's been talked about as being an Olympic sport. I, I, I and the fact that you're saying chess and it is Olympic sports, Olympiad. I, I, that seems like a, one of the good mind sports that would be able to. It's also exciting too. You know, there's all-ins. There's you know whatever. It's 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 collisions and is yeah, backgammon does that qualify? What other sports are in the mind sports? I would imagine backgammon's pretty
1: popular. Um, I remember at that event in Beijing. Uh, Bridge was one of the games. Um, Chinese chess I don't remember the other term for it but I think there's a there's a variant of chess similar to chess but the not exactly the same pieces um shogi I think was also part of it but I don't remember the full list of my sports I agree with you that poker certainly has a place there I I wonder why um yeah. It's I don't been know
0: talk about is on the docket for Olympics, yeah. like the Olympics. but I don't know. It's, uh, it's got the negative connotations with gambling. I think poker is getting mm-hmm. much better light these days and and understanding people realize it's a, it is a lot of skill. Of course, there's an yeah. element of luck. I uh, also want to mention your, your father who was, uh, he had a, a feeder rating of 2185 and he was a world champion of hexagonal chess. What is hexagonal chess? <laughs>
1: You did make a lot of research for today's podcast. Yeah, I, was at, yeah to know. I got
0: questions for days, so you're gonna have to quit me. You tell me when you gotta go, but I got I got a lot of stuff to ask. So let's hear. I want to hear about your father. This is very interesting.
1: Sure. Um, I haven't talked about hexagonal chess in ages because this is a fact that most people have never heard of. So they do know most people who follow me perhaps heard me talking about how I learned to play chess and that's related to my to my father. So maybe I can start there about classical chess that my dad uh, was is a club player. He still plays sometimes um, in a local chess club and uh, he just likes playing in a way that He competed in some team events and some local tournaments. He did get to over 2100, which is, uh, I think, a really good level for someone who, who who plays chess as a hobby. But because he loves chess this much, we always had a chess board in the living room. And as kids, my sister and I, we just started building towers out of the pieces using the chess pieces to to connect it to our lego sets just an entire fairy tale world that you do what you want with the chessboard obviously without knowing anything about it but he played on the computer sometimes in this really old ms dos game called battle chess and in battle chess when the pieces move they become Like a real human, they become alive when they, when you exchange a piece, they fight against each other. They would pick a sword and one of the piece would kill the other eventually when you trade the piece. And it, it's, it looked like such a, Magical word kind of like the Harry Potter chess, so it's like the Harry Potter giant chess. I don't know if you saw that scene in Harry Potter if you've watched the movies at all. But I think Harry the Harry Potter chess comes from this battle chess because this is a very old game. And uh, my sister and I were just watching my dad playing, but we also wanted to try it out. You once you are like, Oh, this game like looks cool, we were about four years old. (laughs) We are looking at the screen, watching him play. So he was like, yeah, you you girls can play too. Um, We were sitting on his lap trying to reach the keyboard and the mouse, but obviously in order to play against the computer, you need to learn the rules. So there was no longer the option of just doing whatever you want with the pieces. We had to learn how the pieces move. And that's how it started. <laughs> that's where it all began with an Amazos game and wanting to play this, this battle chess that felt so magical back then. But in terms of hexagonal chess, um, that's a that's a game I can barely play because it looks so different. It's literally a hexagonal board. There are three colors on it, which makes it to three bishops, more pawns. The pawns have like a bit of a triangle shape. Um, it's, it's a very unique version of chess, which it... I unfortunately haven't seen it becoming um, popular. I, I guess it's that chess on its own is already complex enough. And this adds an additional layer of complexity to the, to the game. But my dad loves this version and he he uh, became a world champion of this variant. Um, yeah, not many people know about it or even have seen a hexagonal chessboard in their yeah. lives
0: that that's uh yeah it's cool though it's a cool fact in 2085 definitely i mean i'm not again i don't really know that i understand the scale that sounds pretty pretty serious and pretty pretty good and and uh what about your parents what do they think on you being a, a kind of an international chess superstar you got your big twitch following your youtube your all these things they see you're putting out content you know what, what do they think about this were they when you said i'm playing chess for a living were they skeptical were they just fully on board how did, what was their reaction and, and what do they think now
1: at the start, I think it was easier for, for them to understand because I started out as someone who loved chess. I competed ever since I was a kid. Then my big dream was to be on the Olympic team. And I I managed to achieve it at the age of 20 to win the Hungarian championship and, and earn a ticket into the team. Um, but I never considered chess my full-time job. Even back then, I would always say I am a part-time chess player and I pursued uh, studying applied linguistics. I studied English applied linguistics and Russian philology at the University of Page in Hungary. And after finishing university, I moved to Spain uh, because I don't know if it happens to poker players too, but since I traveled from a very early age, I always felt like I could live anywhere. I've seen so many places. I've been to so many countries. I started traveling when I was 12 years old, approximately 11, 12 years old. And the world has opened up so much to me that I feel like I'm, I could live anywhere in Europe practically because this just a flight away. I'm three hours away from my parents. Now, in the, now, now, now during the pandemic, I obviously think of it differently because I haven't seen my family in over a year because now we cannot travel. But back then when the world was, as we used to know it, uh, it, it did feel like I could live anywhere in Spain. It's one of my favorite countries. I played the World Youth Championship under 12. A tiny, tiny, tiny Anna uh, was playing her first World Chess Championship in Spain. I think that was always a great memory to me. So you when speak I'm Spanish as well, sí, también hablo español. yes,
0: Very nice. I saw, that. <laughs> I saw you're doing content. That was one of my notes, too, that you did you do in Spanish and English. It looks for chess24.com. Are you used to? Right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Funny enough, I recorded my first chess videos in Spanish because Chess24 was the first company that hired me about seven years ago. It was already um, in Hamburg in the studio in Germany. That's where I recorded my first ever chess video series in Spanish and then then I turned into creating content in English but uh, it's fun how it started with the Spanish chess videos and I think I made a short story long because I started at the like oh then I moved to Spain and such but until then I think my parents understood what I'm doing because I played chess competitively I was on the Olympic team but I never uh, tried to even make it a full-time living as I said earlier it's very difficult and I never wanted to be in a situation where I have to try to win a tournament just to pay the bills. I never wanted it to be that burden of a financial uh, situation. It's super,
0: super interesting. Just sorry to interrupt you, but like very similar in poker too, because poker is a little different because you're risking money actually, like in versus just maybe not – moving hmm. up the money or, you know, progressing because in poker, you could actually regress. But yeah. you know, that's kind of the interesting part with with Twitch as well and streaming and YouTube and content. Like in the last, you know, I used to play and travel a lot and do a lot of stuff with poker. And then in the last few years, you know, it's more, it's, it's like a, it's almost like a different world. Like, it's like interesting. It's sort of very... You're, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it seems like you're very uniquely positioned that you're at like the highest level or one of them you're one of that you could regard it as one of the best in the world, but then you sort of transitioned into content media teaching, you know that type of stuff and i and I'm like I'm in a similar position where it's like I play less and I actually enjoy a lot the content I love the engagement, the interaction, the audience, the networking the people uh and, and kind of like go the other route because you know the in poker you may not understand, like, just like I don't really understand chess, like how it all works and like how to, you know, where you can move, move the limits. But in poker, you know, there's PO solver, there's a lot of computer program, a lot of studying, a lot of stuff. And if you're not, you know, day in, day out grinding and, and trying to be in the top 1%, there's people that are doing it. And like Hikaru, uh, I don't know what his superpower is or Magnus Carlsen. Obviously, these guys are brilliant, right? Like They're like, yeah. you can be smart or intelligent, but these guys are like, Computer prodigy level people, I would imagine, but at the same time they're working extremely hard on their game and and you know that's that's the difference right if you want to compete and you want to be the best, you know it, it's like a different type of path right you might like you you personally it sounds like you prefer the the content, the media, it's more relaxed, it's a different path than that like grinding trying to be the best chess woman player in the world um that that's what it sounds like, and it's very similar in poker in that respect, where I think there's a lot of uniquely positioned people that decide, hey, like I'm pretty good at poker. I'm pretty good at chess, but I can take my my skills and and stuff and, and, and my resources and, and promote to others, help people get better and also continue to get better myself, but not necessarily have as much pressure or, um, you know, intensity to it. That, that's what I hear you saying. And mm-hmm. I can see a lot of parallels with that in poker, too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you, you've you've phrased it very well and that's, that's exactly a unique position to be in. When you mentioned Hikaru, I was just going to add, I don't know how he does it because that guy is one of the best chess players in the world and he streams full time. So it's like, doing both worlds for me. Um, I started working in the chess media about seven years ago, as I said, first uh, recording video series in Spanish for Chess 24. And then I, I I was called back into the studio recording more series Then the broadcast of my first chess broadcast about uh, six years ago. Then, then more and more events called me and uh, I eventually transitioned into becoming a chess broadcaster and creating chess courses at the same time. But I had to pick at some point, will I want to come compete, continue being on the Olympic team, because that's a lot of effort of studying. As you said, you need to constantly be on top of your game. You cannot just, you know, say that I achieved this level and I'm going to keep it like it doesn't stay with you unless you train really hard. You, ca- you cannot keep that level. It, the knowledge would stay. You probably don't forget most of the things you have learned, but without practice, you cannot compete at the same level where you normally would be. So training tournaments constantly, um, solving puzzles, improving your opening repertoire. There are so many ways in which you need to stay sharp and you need to stay on top of your game. So in 2016, I was in a situation where I would already be uh, somewhat known as a chess broadcaster. I hosted some of the top chess events, but I was still competing on the Olympic team. And I knew that there would be a moment where I need to choose which is more important to me which path is more important because it's very different the preparation you do for a broadcast or for an interview uh, that uh, you research a lot about the players you research about the event that you are hosting Uh, you need to know more about the game history of the players you are talking about on the broadcast than your own game history so suddenly the the priority shifts and I'm not studying my own games and my own opening. I'm studying Hikaru's and Magnus's. And and if I don't play them personally, as much as I'm looking at those positions, it doesn't help my personal competition level. So um, it, it became clear to me that at some point I would need to choose. And that year I wasn't selected for the team of uh, of the Olympiad because there's a bigger squad that trains. We were about six, seven players that trained that year for the chess Olympiad. And I, I played one tournament very poorly. That was the qualification tournament. So I ended up not being selected for the chess Olympiad that year. And I, I thought, OK, I think this has been decided. I was already hesitating which way to go. But if I don't make it to the team, I don't see a reason why to try to do both. And that's when I retired from competition.
0: Yeah. And, and, uh, tell me about those two Olympics. So where did you guys, do, is it, do you place how many countries compete in the world out of, uh, you know, 200 and some countries, I believe in the world two I don't know, changes two thirty or 40. I don't know the yeah. exact numbers. How many are going to the Olympics? Is it like, cause in the Olympics, I remember seeing in swimming, uh, which was a sport, my friend was competing and I went to pretty much all of them. I saw some of the even like qualifiers before the metal races. And there were some countries in there where, you know, guys literally could barely get up and down the pool, but like you automatically got a bid to the Olympics. So every country could send people, right? Like to represent yeah. and then they may don't make the finals. How is that in chess? Is it like, is there a qualifying to get to the Olympiad or is everyone just, anyone can bring whoever they want and every country's eligible to compete.
1: It's pretty much that way that every country is welcome every country is invited so in some countries there would be a huge competition for the spots on the Olympic team in other countries it may be easier to make it to the the Olympiad but yes almost every single country is present it's a huge event it used to be my favorite on-site event in a way that it's multicultural multilingual everything is just it's a competition but at the same time it's an international celebration of chess that so many people from so many different parts of the world come together to to play the same game to to have chess as our mutual language
0: very cool very interesting yeah learning for sure a lot and what would be if you weren't doing this chess and being you know content creator for chess and in a and all of what you have been doing? What do you what 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 path do you think you might have gone on? Was there something? I know you do broadcasting for chess. Like what what hobbies and other things? I see some artwork in the back. Is that did a fan make that? Did you buy that? Is that yours? What is that in the back?
1: There. Oh, I wish I was this talented. This is fan art uh, that's Kevin and me in this one. And that's a, uh, a chess portrait of mine. I have so many items I got from fans, from small to, to big ones like these canvas. But if I had to pick a profession, I think I would be a teacher. And uh, that's how I started out actually in Spain. When we briefly talked about earlier how chess players would end up giving lessons because it's not enough to compete at tournaments. Even if you're a grandmaster, it doesn't guarantee a full time living. I went into teaching thinking of it from a very different angle. I always wanted to be a teacher. My mom is a teacher. My dad also used to work in a high school. And for me, uh, working with children has always been one of my my favorite um, profession in a way that I love kids. And I love feeling like I'm helping uh, to, to Help, help someone or a group of people get better at, at any skill, at any level. But I never wanted to teach chess. Back then I was like, I'm a chess player. So I competed chess and I was going to be an English teacher. I wanted to. I wanted to teach English, and that's where I started in Madrid. I applied to many, to I, I applied to a lot of language schools, and I gave my first lessons in Madrid as an English teacher, not not a chess teacher. Then I realized that uh, most language schools would would rather have native speakers. So as much as I wanted to be a teacher in a foreign country, uh, I, I could never change my passport. So that's something you're born with. I was born in Hungary and it didn't matter that I had all the right qualifications, sometimes even higher qualification than my colleagues at the language school. Uh, one thing I could never change is that I was neither British nor American nor from any other English speaking country. and I had to realize that as much as I want to be an English teacher, I have a disadvantage there. And in chess, I had a huge advantage because it's not that easy to to get to a titled player level. So suddenly in the chess scene, I was a highly requested teacher while in English, I was on the bottom of the list, as sad as it was.
0: Wow interesting super interesting yeah that's uh yeah it seems like i mean that's essentially what you're doing right you're, you're teaching you're, you're on twitch and you're you're, you're sharing your knowledge and, and helping people get better it must be very rewarding to see this and obviously your fans are very appreciative you see the, the artwork and the gifts and things they're sending you uh tell me a bit about your boyfriend i should have uh i should have said this earlier i feel i feel bad because yeah, i don't want to lead the viewers on maybe some you know might drop off and then we got to we got to be transparent about that so you have a boyfriend he streams as well he's a content creator i see You met him in in Berlin, Twitch, uh, TwitchCon in 2019. And and what happened? It was just love at first sight. And you guys are now, yeah. was that you were on earlier today doing Minecraft with him? Is that right? He streams. What does he stream in particular?
1: Yes, he creates gaming content. Uh, so his name is Kevin, uh, his content creator name. Call me Kevin. He has been a YouTuber content creator since he was sixteen. So we we ended up being creators in a very different path. He started making YouTube videos at the age of sixteen, and and it it turned out very well for him because I think he's. He's got a very unique sense of humor. So apart from creating gaming content, it's always hilarious. It's kind of like watching a comedy show that's based around gameplay. He plays all sorts of games and he messes around a lot on purpose to make it to make it kind of a a parody of some of the characters, kind of a comedy style um, narration of every game that he plays. We met at TwitchCon, as you said, in 2019 uh, through a mutual friend. And I, I had very low expectations of the event, to be fair. I was in Iceland with my friend, Alexandra Botes. She was playing a tournament in Iceland. And I was like, I'm gonna visit you because she lives in the States. Iceland is not Spain, but it's still closer than flying to California. So I right. thought, I'm gonna see you in Iceland. We're gonna, we're gonna go on excursions. We're gonna see the country. I was in Iceland before for a chess tournament, but I, I was never um, a tourist there. So I thought this is a great occasion. and I. Half regretted um, saying yes to TwitchCon because that meant I had to leave Iceland earlier. It was a, a three-day event, TwitchCon in Berlin, and I was like, "Why am I not staying in Iceland? This would be a great trip if I didn't have to go to to Berlin." So I boarded the flight half thinking that this is a this shouldn't have been my decision. Um, I I just wanted to go to TwitchCon because I've never been to any Twitch events earlier and I was curious what it would be like, but I didn't have a meet and greet. I didn't host anything. I was just there kind of um, as a guest myself to see what's a gaming convention like. And uh, um, my friend, uh, my content creator friend, RT game, um, Dan, he was going to go as well. So I thought, okay, at least I meet up with him. We're going to, we're going to have some, some time just looking around the convention but honestly i i didn't know that my life was gonna turn 360 degrees and i was gonna meet someone as special as kevin i wasn't uh, looking for relationships i was very um i was even very in a way disappointed in what i have seen in what i had seen in in other friends relationships as well and i was i was not in the right mindset to even think I was going to meet, um, the man I was going to share my life with for the next couple of years, hopefully for many years. I, we have been dating for two years. So I obviously can't see the future, but that was a, a life changing event for yeah. sure.
0: Amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's a big, uh, big term in poker called variance, And you know, you can talk about <laughs> doors or you know, luck and random things. And it's just crazy, right? Like you could have easily just said, you, you're all reluctant to get on the flight. Maybe you just stay. Things are all different, but yeah. things happen for a reason uh, I'm lucky. The same thing. I met my wife at Burning Man and I, uh, and walking by and, and now we have a son, and and the best thing that ever happened to me in my life. And I also was not looking; I was just you know roaming around having fun. And, and you just don't know when it's going to be time, and and you kind of know when you know, and uh, that's awesome. Congrats, and I uh, wish you guys the best. And that's uh, that's amazing. So okay, guys, she's off the table. Let's clear that off so that we'll go down <laughs> go to the next, next section. Um, and uh, my um, actually, I, well, I do want to leave time. I want to remind everyone we do have a giveaway, and if you go to if you retweet uh, on my my Twitter page there is a ask anna a question so you can retweet ask a question mm-hmm. we'll go try to take some of these here as we we kind of uh move well, on there's
1: kevin and then that was that was my pin tweet actually it's with kevin and Dan at the twitchcon event we were talking about
0: ah so this is where it all began <laughs> yes very nice there there it is that's uh that's awesome and he's it's right sitting next to you here which is
1: yeah kevin the- is on the right and Dan in the middle as a good wingman, he's in the middle there. <laughs> no, very he had no nice. idea either. No, no, neither of us uh, realized that this is gonna this is gonna lead anywhere because no one I, no one was seeking for it either.
0: I can see the look. I can see the look on his face. There. He was he was he knew what was going on. I can tell. the I saw. I, I see it. That was the that was the tell right there. He was ready to go. So um, very very cool. That's that's amazing. I will. Uh, well, I'll definitely have to check his streams. I actually gave him a follow today. I didn't know that was your boyfriend. but I did see you streaming earlier i came in, said hi and saw you were playing minecraft and having fun so uh very cool we'll take we'll keep an eye keep an eye on that um all right so guys get your questions in i do want to remind you that tell me a little bit about your website um, and where people can find you on socials This is your instagram account You, you use this more twitter more what's the best way for people to follow along with your your journey
1: Twitter and Instagram. I use fairly frequently both platforms. I still have a Facebook page, but it's kind of a copy paste of the most important posts I would put on Twitter or Instagram. So these two, these two I use regularly and I try to update it as much as I can. On my Twitch channel, I recently have added a schedule. um, That is if people go to my Twitch and there's a schedule button. You can see the next few days when I will be live because it so depends on events and collaborations. What time I go live, I don't have a fixed uh, time of the day every week. So I'm updating it every couple of days and people can check the next ones. And there's a countdown to on the on the about section until the next stream. So my next one is on, on Saturday. Fridays are my day off.
0: And very cool. And what about uh, YouTube here? So I see you have a, a successful YouTube channel. Do you do your own edits? Do you have editors? Are they highlights? Are they specific vlogs? What does your YouTube channel consist of?
1: I used to do it all by myself. Um, I was just, I have always been very passionate about content creation, but I, I never thought of YouTube as something I could pursue as a career. And that was even, even after meeting Kevin, I thought, yeah, he's a very successful YouTuber, but I can never get to that level. I felt like Chess doesn't have that much reach in that way that it's not a viral content one would share that. Oh, this is a funny clip. Look at this comedic style video. I felt like I cannot deliver that type of content. So uh, I was doing YouTube just as a passion project, uploading vlogs, uploading uh Clips from time to time, and a year or so ago, I decided maybe I should give it a shot just in case. And now that my Twitch has taken off, it kind of pushed my YouTube as well. And um, I already have an editor who helps me with the edits to to make the final professional cut, the thumbnails as well. I, I used to do it all by myself, just from scratch, and I'm not good at Photoshop, but I was having fun. Now I don't have the time as much as I would love to um, at least make my own thumbnails. I I need. I think it's better that I have my editor helping and I can focus on the content itself. So most of the videos are edited parts of the live streams. It's not a vote section, but we add a lot of visuals to it, cut to the best parts of the stream, kind of like a highlight version, but with memes and added details added to the live streams.
0: Very, very nice. Yeah, no, I know. it's uh, that's, that's a big, big process is, is uh, editing and getting, you know, having a team that can pour out content regularly. It's definitely not easy. And, you know, it's, it's awesome that you've got, got someone doing that. And w- what does consist of your team? Do you have an agent, a manager? You know, you have your boyfriend who you guys look like collaborate some and he's in the, in the space and understands it. But who, who, who makes you go? How many people are part of your, your uh, production? Whatever that means. Social media campaign manager. What, 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 what entails in your world for help?
1: Um, So now that I have an editor that, that takes out the YouTube part, I still do a lot of things for YouTube, but the edit at least and the thumbnails that's done by my editor. I have a manager. I, I, I never in my life had anyone helping me with all the business contacts and events until a few months ago when I started receiving esports offers. I haven't talked much about this on my stream because I I'm not about to sign, I haven't decided, but I have been contacted by a couple of esports organizations. It's a new thing in chess that chess is going in in a way in the esports direction. And Hikaru has signed with TSM, the Botas sisters have signed with Team MV. So either as a chess player, as a competitor, or as a content creator, we started to receive offers from some of the biggest esports organizations. And that's when I realized as much as I like being my own boss and controlling everything, I have no idea about the esports area. I have no idea about negotiations, the legal side of things. So now I have an agent helping me, agent slash manager, uh, helping me with all the business mail. I have have started receiving also a lot more sponsorship deals. And uh, he just helps me to make sure that I I personally only need to talk to a client or a company that will sponsor a stream or a video when we when we need to talk about the details. He makes sure that um, I don't need to to take calls unless it's for for a specific reason about a deal we already made, and that helps a lot because even just to get back to people in business mails is. I don't know how how people manage uh, who who don't have that support that that now there's there's someone else helping me with all that just being my my main contact when it comes to companies reaching out to me.
0: Right. Yeah. No. It's uh, it's a process, right? It's like you're in a dream world. It's like you. I, I think people ask me as well. It's like, oh, well, who's your favorite streams? What do you do? Like when you stream, you do content. You do YouTube. You, you. It's not like you know your free time. It starts becoming a little less uh, available, and that's not what you want to spend. You know, you don't want to be working 24 twenty four seven, three sixty five, and and you don't want to have to. It takes it takes time to look at the even if in esports your example. There's different different people or different organizations offer different things, and that's a lot to try to learn on your own. You don't, you don't want to spend hours and hours and hours l- learning uh, researching what what the, the nuances are so that, that's great to hear you you have that and it looks like again your trajectory is moving super fast and it's fun to watch I mean it feels like a year ago now but when choker was going on and we did you know, I did some of the commentary when you were playing and it was fun and uh, you know it's been a crazy year I do want to ask you a few more things before we dive into mm-hmm. the the uh, the, the, the question on Twitter you says you're a lipstick lipstick maniac what does that entail what is that just to have fun and make people smile or is that like are you do you actually like is there is there a story that you're like obsessed with certain brands and styles and colors like what does that mean lipstick maniac on your Twitter you put. If- that.
1: It's both. I think uh, from my physical appearance, people probably do realize I wear lipstick all the time. I joke that I even sleep wearing lipstick may or may not be true, but it started out with something that was actually it wasn't a lipstick back then, but I was accused of cheating with a lip balm. I don't know if you have heard of the story that uh, my most successful tournament, the best performance I ever had at a chess event was back in 2007 in a tournament in France. And uh, I beat a grandmaster, the the number one player of the tournament in round two. And after round eight, I was still leading the tournament. I was clearly having a really good shape, the best tournament in my life, very close to a grandmaster norm, which is the highest performance. Um, But uh, three gentlemen didn't believe I could play this well and they accused me of using a microchip in my lip balm that was connected with a wireless internet to my backpack and so when I would open the tin of the lip balm I would see the chess move that I need to play on the board I would see it inside the tin and that's how I was leading the tournament according to them so um, that lip balm story ended up becoming quite a big story in media outlets, because it was such a strange story. The New York Times, the New York Post have picked it up. I saw a a drawing of me as a caricature in a Danish newspaper. All sorts of continents and all sorts of different languages have published stories about what happened to me being accused of cheating in such an awkward way. And obviously, uh, even when it happened, people knew that, this is ridiculous. And uh, no one but those three people were like, this makes sense. Everyone stood on my side. The organizers defended me immediately. And the grandmaster who lost against me was one of the first people to come forward to and say, no, no way that she cheated. Uh, 100% she's innocent. This makes absolutely no sense. So in that way, it was great to feel the support of so many people. But because the story itself sounded so strange, uh, it made the lip balm, very famous. And uh, yeah. there's still a meme and reference to that. I have upgraded from a lip balm to lipstick. But yes, uh, definitely lipstick maniac.
0: That's amazing. That's a crazy story. But do you remember at the moment, what was that feeling you had when you were getting getting accused and then newspaper articles and were the newspaper articles like in the New York Times or in these, these, these papers, were they favorable to you and saying it's a ridiculous story? Or did it like leave it kind of ambiguous and dark and shady that maybe something was wrong?
1: No, luckily, all the news media outlets too understood that it was ridiculous and that it shouldn't have happened, because what actually became a case was against the three people who accused me that um, in a way FIDA didn't have a regulation about about what happens when you are accused of cheating? So in this way, people knew that I'm innocent and the fair play part should have been applied to them because in the last round, I played against one of the people who accused me. um, And uh, right before that game, the arbiter came to me and said, Anna, we know that there's nothing wrong, but these people say uh, that, you might have a microchip in your lip balm. So the arbiter just ceremonially opened the lip balm just to show to everybody there's nothing inside. But they took away my backpack and the whole thing just hit me in that moment that there are some people, uh, according to the arbiter now, that accuse me. And my, ar- my opponent arrived. I'm trying to shake his hand. That's how you start every chess game. And he just shakes his head. And I was like, what? And he says, you don't play fair. And I say... I don't play fair (laughs) and he's like yes you don't play fair so we started the game in a very friendly way but just the fact that for instance he didn't shake my hand a lot of people were like oh he he should have lost the game by forfeit because that's part of the game that you need to shake hands and then um the the fide uh um, com- I think it's a FIDE Commission of Etiquette. I don't know the, f- the full title of, of uh, that uh, body of FIDE, but there's, a, there's, a set, there's an ap- appeals committee that, uh, that deals with issues where it is, uh, in a way they broke fair play. And apart from the handshake too, just the fact that you can go and accuse people um, was something that they had a case against them at the appeals committee, I don't even know what was the result because it happened years later. I wasn't, I wasn't personally interested anymore. I would have been fine with just an apology, but I never got one.
0: Wow, crazy! I didn't realize. You know, poker—you hear about a good uh, scandal or theory or cheating or, or, or wildness going on, but I didn't realize there was uh, these. This is that's a, that's out there. That's an out there um, ridiculous uh, situation. So I'm sorry I had to go through that, but it looks like. It all worked out and got you some press, and and, and obviously those guys are out of their minds. So uh, speaking of that, I do want to pull this up. I d- got mentioned this yesterday. So most uh, cheating controversy results in most watched chess stream in history. Something along, I believe this gentleman pictured here was a key oh. of the cheating, <laughs> and then this was in Indonesia, and she ended up playing. Could you maybe just, you know, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but can you just give a quick, um, I'm sure you heard of this. This is the most watched game ever, uh, chess stream at least.
1: Yeah, I, I heard of it because the gentleman's whose tweet is there in the article, Gotham Chess. So I work, uh, I work on most of the events I told you about, the Champions 2 events on Hikaru's channel. That's Levy and me covering the events. And Gotham Chess is the streamer who, who played against, uh, Dewa Kipas. I might have been butchering the pronunciation. Apologies on that. But, uh, uh, he played against, uh, Dewa on his stream and, uh, the game, was just a suspicious one. I I normally am not going on witch hunting and it's not my place to decide but Levy felt like his opponent was cheating. Um there's a com- there's a, there's a team working on chess.com that's specifically the anti-cheating team. So whenever there's a situation that you think your opponent may have cheated, you can report the player and it's up to chess.com to to look into it deeper. Uh check the I I don't know the measures that they do in terms of uh, IT and algorithm and such, but they have they have a very, very serious system of checking whether a player has played fair or not, whether there's a a computer assistance. And in this case, chess.com ends up banning the account. So ends up ends up stating that uh, Levy's suspicion of this player cheating during the game uh, was correct. The player uh, has now his uh, account banned uh, for for cheating. But uh, at the same time, this this uh, match happened where Irene, Irene Sukanda, one of the top players of her country and the strongest female player of Indonesia, she played a match against Dewa Kipas over the board and she won 3-0. Uh, over a million people watched this, it, so it's great publicity for chess. And there was quite a, quite a high price fund as well for this match. Um uh, I think the only issue is that, as Levi said in one of his videos, that even though the account was banned, even though Irene won 3-0 over the board where you cannot be using uh, a computer to help you, um, the, the, the player himself, Dewa Kipas, has never made a, a confession. He never admitted that he actually cheated
0: interesting there's some controversies in poker and this thing you mentioned like rta real-time assistance type of programs and stuff and it just goes to show you people yeah, they're still doing that even when you know people do that sometimes when there's not money at stake in in games and 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 i guess you know there's reputation and and people uh yeah you gotta be on your toes gotta always be on your toes so that's uh that's interesting i just got wind of that and i didn't realize that was a thing and cheat in chess that that those cheating was like that happened from time to time, I guess makes sense. Just like anything, there's, there's some people out there not doing things right. Um, I, I real quick too, so many questions, so many things I keep thinking of that the fascinated <laughs> about by, by chess and, and your career, but, uh, let's just, we didn't really talk much about Queens Gambit. I'm sure you get asked this all the time, every stream, you're probably sick of talking about it, but you know, the, the, the red hair here, you know, Beth some <laughs> resemblance here. What did you think overall of the, of the movie. I, it would have been nice if they had made, put some like yourself or, you know, the Botez twins or, or not twin sisters or, um you know, Jen Shahadi, some others I'd like extras, but Jen Shahadi mentioned there wasn't really a lot of opportunity. It was sort of like part of the, whole thing was there weren't like other women around or much scenes, but you know, do you have any, do you have any criticisms, critiques of it? Do you think they did it perfectly? How was it as a, cause from my perspective, I have no idea, right? Like the, the gameplay, just like if you watch a poker movie, the hand setups, what the, what the situations are, the bet sizings, like, was it, was it uh congruent with how a game would go and the, they do a good job or would you have changed anything?
1: I think it's, it's an amazing series. I honestly, started watching it at first because i felt like it's part of my job to know about it Uh, as soon as it came out on netflix the queen's gambit every day from that day on on my streams This was one of the most popular questions. Have you seen it? Have you seen it? What do you think of it? Have you seen it? So it felt like as soon as I could, I I had to start watching it just so that I know what's going on because people kept asking me about it and people kept comparing me to Beth Harmon. And at the time, I didn't even know who Beth Harmon is. Like, I haven't seen the first episode yet. I don't know who she is. Then I started watching The Queen's Gambit. I fell in love with it. I think think it's a very well-made series from the chess perspective, but also outside chess, just the live journey journey of the protagonist and then I started understanding the comparison a little bit because you're right the hair color um in in a way the fashion style too sometimes as, as a streamer I don't dress the same way but to chess events I used to show up in a more um feminine way wearing dresses and such and the lipstick of course always it's funny how as, as a kid, too, I had a very similar hairstyle with the bangs and the short haircut. But uh, I don't think I don't think that she was uh, portrayed after me or if there's any resemblance, I think it's just by pure chance. I also get the question the other way around, if I have changed my appearance because of Beth Harmon. No, I looked like this before the Queen's Gambit as well. But that's that's something that is always a comparison still on my channel two months after the series
0: very interesting and and can you explain a little bit about the the uh, FIDE ranking with the being a woman grandmaster what's the difference between a woman grandmaster and a and a uh, male grandmaster um, or female male is is there a difference in, in 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 open tournaments are like the olympics is it men and women or is it everyone competes on a team and, and sorry let, let me ask you like five things at once sorry sorry one <laughs> more uh if you win a gold medal a uh, medal for your country is it like in swimming there's relays or or track and field individual and team or is it just team or just individual at the olympics olympiad olympiad for twitch
1: um so if the chess olympiad, olympiad do you, that, you mean that. the medals i think yeah. it counts as a team, I think that's the main one that counts uh, for for what I said about the the salary uh, as a yeah. as an Olympian in Hungary. But at the tournament itself, there are prices for teams. That's the main one. Two two groups there are. There's a women's chess Olympiad. It takes place at the same uh, same venue, but there are two groups the women's section and the open section. So in the open section, both women and men can compete in the women's section. Only only female teams can compete. So the team is the big one, but there are separate prices for board prices. We call them the individual performance on board one. Who was the best player on board two? Who was the strongest player? And so there's there are individual medals, too. But the big one at chess Olympiads is the is a team one. In terms of the titles, there are female titles and open titles. So I have two titles. That's why it's always written that I'm a woman Grandmaster and Chess International Master because Woman Grandmaster is the highest female title. It's the rating level of 2,300 points. And the other title I have is above that. That's International Master. That's 2,400. So 100 rating points above. And 100 rating points above my international master title is where the grandmaster title is. And that's the peak. That's the highest chess title. It's um, a weird system in a way that why, why there's a division between female and male titles or open titles. Now they are officially called. Uh, also, I always received a question as well. Why there's a need to have separate women's tournaments. I think in an ideal world, that wouldn't, that would absolutely be no need. But the fact that there are so few girls and women picking up chess and competing at chess, if you take away the girls' events and the women's events, it certainly will not help with the percentage of how many girls are interested in even playing in one tournament or two. So until there's such a big gap between how many women and men are playing chess, how many represent chess when it comes to competitions, because as a hobby, I think, it's, it could be very similar also on scholastic level in classrooms, you see both girls and boys being interested in chess, but when it comes to competition, especially older age groups, there, start, there is a huge, uh, huge, the distinction between the, the representation. If, if a tournament has maybe a hundred participants, perhaps only two of them are women or girls. And that's just a huge, huge gap. I would love to see that gap becoming closer and closer. And and once there's equal representation, uh, I think there would be, be no need for separate titles and separate events.
0: Very, very interesting. And and do you get stopped on the streets, uh, recognized, like, are you considered, I mean, it's, I would imagine everyone in chess knows who you are pretty much, right? Because you're streaming a lot. You're very, you're, you're, you do a lot of content. Like when you go out in the streets and and in Hungary or Berlin or whenever you're out of uh, Twitch, like people noticing you, do you get stopped? Do you get mistaken for Beth Harmon? where do people just know you? Hey, Anna, and like, mm-hmm. uh, where would you? You know, it's kind of a. I know you're very humble from what I've heard, and just I can tell. But you know, give me a little bit. Do people recognize you? Don't be don't be shy. Tell, tell us. <laughs>
1: Very rarely. I think on the streets very rarely I will get recognized. Kevin gets recognized a little more often, but I'm happy that even he doesn't get recognized that often. So in a way, I think we are lucky because um, we can pursue something we love and we are passionate about our jobs and content creation, but it doesn't, it doesn't, um, create that extra burden where you feel like you cannot leave the house without wearing sunglasses and a cap. So in that sense, we are we are lucky. Um, I don't know how things will be when the world goes back to normal and we can go to more places and events. We do love gaming conventions. Apart from chess events, I was going to go to many gaming conventions and I would love to meet more fans in the future when, when events come back and it will be possible again.
0: Yeah. You might be surprised after the, you know, who knows <laughs> a year from now and you might, you might not be able to, you might need security. So we'll see what happens on that. That's uh very cool. And let's, let's take some time for questions. I know you've uh, you got, you got a busy day. It's late where you are as well, right? You've been, you've been going full speed today, um, streaming and, and whatnot. So guys, give her a follow on YouTube. Check it out. Instagram, YouTube. Uh, Twitter, Twitch. She's got all the all the stuff. She even has a website on here. There's some looks like some games, and you can just kind of see more about you. Is that correct? There's uh, shows all the different socials on here, and um, mm-hmm. anything else on here? What's what's chessable.com/anna? Is that a uh, similar to chess.com or is that a different site?
1: That's my most recent course. Yes, they are part of the Play Magnus group. So Chess Twenty Four and Chessable belong to the same group. Uh, uh, Magnus Carlson's company uh, is Play Magnus and uh, uh, Chessable. Chess24 and also CoChess, I think, are the three main chess platforms they have. So that's my most recent chess course. I, my other courses are on iChess. Uh, those are the courses where people can learn from me because, uh, as I said, I don't give one-on-one lessons any longer. I do want to help my viewers get better at chess. That's That's one of my my missions when I stream, I always try to make it educational, whether it's a tournament I'm hosting for the for the viewers, whether we are solving puzzles together, whether I'm giving tips and advice on how to get better at chess. That's always something that the teacher side of me just cannot not do it. I, I want to make sure that the viewers who follow me for chess, they can get better at chess. Don't follow me if you want to get better at Minecraft because I'm a noob at every other game, but I enjoy playing other games too. So my channel is a mix of chess. I would say two-thirds is chess chess content. One third is variety content for the two third. You can learn from me from the one third. Possibly you will be teaching me through the chess. So if you want to give me tips and advice with every other game, I'm happy to listen.
0: That's amazing. That's awesome. And uh, last question before we get the audience questions here, give me the breakdown of how does it work like poker, there's party poker, poker stars, gg, prior 888, different companies brands they sponsor players for ambassadorship that's very common. Um you know this is this is the podcast brought to you by party poker. That's why I'm with and I got to ask you how does that work? Does chess.com what are the major competitors of sites? There's chess.com or chess24. ones? are they sponsoring actual streamers now? Is that is that becoming a thing or or how does that work? Like is there like a three or four or five different major chess outlets and and where can people go if they want to just start playing and and where do you recommend?
1: The biggest chess platform is chess.com and most of us who are streamers or content creators uh, in the chess scene, we we are part of, most of us are part of the chess.com partner program that is a program for streamers. It's not a financial program, so it doesn't, it's not a salary or sponsorship fee that we are receiving. It's mainly is help when it comes to, I, I have received help tech-wise, graphics-wise for designs. Um, Also, they have a system in which you can be featured on their platform. They call it Chess TV. And if you're on Chess TV, every minute of the day, there's someone, there's a stream featured on Chess TV as their program. So everyone in the partner program, everyone in the Chess.com streamer program can apply to, to have their streams featured. And I think that's really cool because on Twitch, one downside of twitch as a platform is that uh, the discoverability is is very tough it's very difficult to have your channel discovered unless you receive a raid from someone and their their community knows about you or unless you do many collaborations so there are crossovers but other than that um, the search side of twitch and and just how do uh, how do smaller creators uh, manage to grow their communities is a, a difficult one. It helps a lot in chess that the chess.com, for instance, helps streamers by by embedding their stream on their site. So you might be on Chess TV or you might even be on the front page of chess.com, meaning that anyone who enters chess.com to play a game, uh, to make solve puzzles, watch chess videos, they will they might see your stream there on the front page and they might discover you because they are helping in in that way for us to grow.
0: Very, very cool. Yeah, it's awesome. It's, I, I've taken a look. I just signed up on chess.com yesterday and uh Looks like a very nice site with some puzzles and stuff, too, to, to work on your game. Um, all right, let's dive in this. Let's kind of rapid fire. I know you got, well, uh, you, again, you're going to have to cut me off because this is fascinating. I'm having a <laughs> great time. This is a lot of fun. Thank you for coming on. And uh, I know it's late there. So let's uh, try to get as many of these as we can. And then if you, uh, you know, who knows, guys, you could always, she might answer if she sees it on, if you tag, she's tagged on here. So she may be able to answer some that we missed. But let's just kind of go down the list here. Greatest fear. Do you have a fear?
1: oh uh, um, that hit me like oh my gosh there are so many <laughs> but one would be that comes on top of my head is driving I don't have a driver's license and now I think I've conquered that fear I could never picture myself at the wheel uh, I thought if something happened suddenly I wouldn't know how to react and I don't want to be causing accidents so I never learned how to drive last year I picked up uh, a driver's license test book and I started learning the road signs and then the lockdown happened. So I'm, I kind of am on hold when it comes to attending the lessons and such, but I think finally that's a fear that partially is in my head, but hopefully I can conquer it fully. And one day I'm going to have a driver's license.
0: Very cool. So I take you're not skydiving or doing aviation. You're not going to be flying planes then, right? That's not. A, um, like-
1: yeah. I don't want to, I, I'm afraid of hurting others. I'm, yeah. I wouldn't be afraid of just like I, I like to do extreme things in a way that I want to challenge myself and push my boundaries. So when it comes to maybe uh, bungee jumping or jumping out of a parachute, I haven't done them, but they are on my list and I, I can see myself doing uh, those type of activities. But if I can hurt anyone because I'm a clumsy person, I would rather not.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. That's a, that's a, a great answer. Uh, who, be, this is a personal, I don't know if maybe you can name a few, or do you have a best friend in chess? Is there anyone that you've kind of been with throughout the ride and, and when, who's your closest within the space? Uh, asks Luke, Grinder 891 or name a few, maybe.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be able to call just one person is my best friend but i have many close friends in the chess scene uh one w- long time friend would be fiona we have we have been friends since we were teens then i met sopico at chess 24 became miss strategy and miss tactics we had our own video series as miss strategy and miss tactics alexandra botes is another very close friend of mine and and uh, i've learned a lot from her also when it comes to streaming and just being able to see her insights on on where can chess go as as a streaming content on a platform that that wasn't ready for chess at the start or it didn't feel like that that chess belonged and now it belongs i think a lot on twitch and it's one of the top categories um but Yes, I would name uh, the three of them from the content creation perspective to Judith Polgar. As I said, I'm lucky to be friends with So someone who has been my role mother and now I can call her a friend. And Huga is a singer from Chile, singer-songwriter who has started creating um songs and basing her music on chess so she's inspired by chess to such an extent that she's combining her two passions and she has started writing songs and an entire album based on uh, chess and life as a parallel and uh, very deep songs it's it's not it's nothing uh, like what i think some would picture as oh chess songs are so you like oh pawn goes to e 4 knight to c5 no it's um you guys should check it out. It's J U G A. Her name, Huga.
0: Very cool. Okay, so yeah, there's a there's a handful. That's good. It's hard to pick one. That's for sure. Especially when you know if you're uh, you're active, you're around, and, and you've been in the in the space for a long time. How how uh, best opening? Uh, you know, I just learned. Do you have a standard opening, or do, would you change your opening move versus the opponent depending? Like, I don't really understand chess uh, that <laughs> the, the level, but do you have like an uh, automatic move, or it depends if you're first or second? Obviously, if you're second depending what they do, you're going to have some different different strategies. But what about your opening move? Are you opening always the same or no?
1: I normally play E4 with the white pieces, and I like to play the French defense with the black pieces. That's an opening I I stand by. Many people criticize it. It's perhaps not the most, um, most aggressive approach, but I like it as an opening. And I think what's important as a tip I always say – do what makes you happy. Also in chess, choose an opening that you are happy about, even if it's not the most traditionally best opening. It can even be dubious. It could be a gambit. If you are enjoying playing it, that's great. That's what matters.
0: Yeah, great advice. Very cool. Uh, we've got uh, that's in, maybe you can actually answer. You could help me with this one. This is uh, Con cuántos Amos. When did you start playing chess or what is that? What's that? I don't know what that
1: means. Uh, Let Let's me take it. a look at that. I see it today. Um, Con años so yeah uh, that that must be portuguese but it's similar to such an extent that uh, with how yeah años comenzaste ajedrez I guess that's what, that's what it would be in spanish I started playing chess I learned to play chess when I was 4 and I played my first competition when I was in primary school so that would be about 7 8 years old
0: very nice. Weirdest place. I think this, he asked this yesterday to Shahadi. She had an interesting answer, but uh, this guy's asking again, the weirdest place you've played chess. Have you ever been in, somewhere in the world and just popped open a game or walked by in a park or somewhere and you just started playing? Any, anywhere special that stands out?
1: Oh, many. <laughs> I could talk about a lot about this, but... Weirdest country, I would say, well, country not, but in terms of traveling to tournaments, sometimes they are really cool places uh, that we would go to as a holiday too. I've been to Siberia three times <laughs> for chess tournaments because they love it there. They love chess in Siberia, in Khantyman Seas. They built an entire hotel complex to accommodate the chess Olympiad. So they are supporting chess a lot there, but it wouldn't be the top destination you think of when you want to go on holidays.
0: Very interesting. I did not know that the Siberian pedigree was uh, was strong in chess, but I guess <laughs> that's like Russia, basically, right? So it's just right yes. there. Yeah, so yeah. Russia. Right, give me the top rankings in chess for countries. of Typically, Russia is one of the powerhouses. What are some other like just historically great countries for chess?
1: Um, I think the fact that the world champion of present day, Magnus Carlsen, is from Norway, has opened up the scene because it used to be that it was the Soviet Union dominating the chess world, so they were passing the knowledge along, they were training together, it was very difficult to get into that scene. The the victory of Bobby Fischer over Boris Spassky was almost a miracle in that sense, that uh, Fischer didn't have that background and an entire nation trying to help him when it comes to training sessions and, and and uh, helping the preparation. So I feel like nowadays, it's a lot more open because of the internet. You can have a training session with anyone from any part of the world. Even if you live in Norway, you might have a coach in Russia or in India, another country where, of course, chess is uh, a, a very popular game. And some of the some of the child prodigies or chess prodigies of the present times would be from India, some of the top, most promising players. At the same time, um, another player we we sometimes point out as potential future world champion, Ali Reza Firuza, he's from Iran, a country where chess is popular, but it's not as popular as in Russia or India. It's interesting how there are chess nations, but also we see talents popping up here and there because of what I think is the internet just being available to access uh, video resources playing online having training sessions over Skype it helps a lot
0: yeah no, that's uh, absolutely right so we got a question about stream chess games of course so the guy knows that hes just rhetorical question uh, what do you th- we talked about this the chess boom in the pandemic where let's put this in perspective Queen's gambit obviously important you know it's a, that 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 component the pandemic happening kind of putting people in a spot maybe learning new things where does where does twitch rank in general like how important do you think this has been for the development of chess twitch and and youtube with this content specifically is this was this inevitable or did the pandemic in this queen's Gambit just accelerate it dramatically or was this already kind like, of happening a couple years ago like what what like I, I should say how surprised are you like where it is right now today are you like wow a year ago i would never have thought it would be this popular or did you see this coming and maybe just a little bit sooner than you thought
1: I certainly didn't see it coming. I, I think this was a very pleasant surprise to most of us. Maybe Alex, as I was saying, Alexandra Botez. Uh, I feel like she always had a lot more insights to uh, the potential of the platform uh, Twitch. Uh, but other than other than Alex telling me that, oh yeah, this does have a future. This, this can go somewhere. I don't think any of us could have predicted that it would be this much of a boom. Um, but in terms of Twitch, we talked about... The chess boom because of the lockdown and tournaments going online. Uh, Grandmasters now competing online and being one of the few sports that could compete at the start of the lockdown. Uh, then the Queen's Gambit uh, happening in autumn, and in between, I think what I would add to it, and that that clearly is a, a Twitch phenomenon, the tournament series Puck Champs that. That started out as a collaboration between one of the top gamers on the platform, XQC. He started playing chess on his streams and Hikaru just uh, came by one day when Hikaru was streaming. He opened up XQC's stream because he was told that XQC is not playing chess. So Hikaru came by to see how is he doing? How are the games going? And then XQC's chess started constantly just sending messages about Hikaru is here, Hikaru is watching, uh, ask for a lesson, collaborate, ask for a lesson, It'll do a collaboration. They ended up collaborating uh, for the first time, having a chess lesson together, Hikaru teaching XQC and out of that collaboration and more lessons, an entire tournament grew out of it because he was interested in chess. And I think that that made um, chess.com too realize, chess.com and Twitch, because they are the two organizers of PogChamps as well as Hikaru himself of course and his team uh, that there is interest in chess also when it comes to other creators other streamers and what if we had a tournament that was only for them so the entry level would be basically that you know how the pieces move you don't need a higher knowledge. We're going to prepare you. We're going to give you lessons if you want to take lessons. That's the Pokcham structure. And then you will have the tournament a month later. And it ended up being a very successful series. Some of the biggest streamers and creators have competed uh, throughout the three series. XQC is always in the field, but also Pokimane joined. She's the biggest female creator on the platform. Um, Rubius, the number one Spanish language creator on YouTube and Twitch was also a participant and a student of mine together with Pocky for Pockchamps 3. So I think Pockchamps as a tournament series bringing in so many fans from outside chess because when you know that your favorite streamer or YouTuber competes at the tournament, you want to be there, you want to show up, you want to support them and that has brought in a lot of new viewers and new fans to a game that maybe they wouldn't start watching if it's a, a serious Chess broadcast—that's more difficult to get into as a new viewer to chess. But PogChamps is, I think, a lot more accessible. It brings in a lot of new people, but it also makes it a lot more understandable for the beginner level. And that—that that should be the entry level. That should be where we where we want to make sure that people will enjoy when they when they tune into a chess stream. We want everybody to be involved.
0: For sure. I got my man, Marco Ghost of M in the chat, who's uh, always one of the top moderators in Twitch. No doubt about it. Always on the spot. Got a question about this cheating scandal that asking, do you believe that you are held to a higher standard as a female grandmaster? do you think that a male player would have been accused of cheating in a similar situation? And did it feel kind of personal? Maybe they were like, I don't like getting beat by a girl. And based, you know, what, what was your read on all that? Is that something that maybe because you said it's such a vast difference, the percentage of male versus woman, I, I, there's like sort of that complex sometimes with men, right. And in poker as well, you know, it's like, Oh girl. And you know, there's this, it's like, we getting beat up. Like do you think that was a factor or was it for sure in your mind?
1: Um, it could have been. I'm I'm afraid that it could have been. I was I I felt like it was part of it. I don't know if that's fully the reason. Also, I I wasn't that young. I was twenty years old at the time when the tournament happened. So female at the age of twenty, that's clearly not a child prodigy from a chess country. Well, chess country in a way that Hungary it's popular enough in Hungary. So maybe that part I think that I come from a Um, A country where chess is popular, but uh, other than that, yeah, I I don't know of their side. I don't know if that was their reasoning, but I felt like at least partially it was connected to the fact that um, I'm a female chess player.
0: Right. make Makes sense. Uh, what is your, well, some Papi Winkle just saying, you seem very busy. You do seem pretty, pretty busy. I know you're busy uh, from uh what do you do to unwind? What do you do to relax? You know, you just start, you were just streaming. Now you're on a podcast. It's late. Do you relax, <laughs> read a book, do you drink some wine, do you watch TV? What do you do? What do you do to kind of like decompress after days of uh, being, being busy and booked and, and just nonstop?
1: I think there's a difference between what I would do, pre-pandemic times and what is it that we can do now but I certainly think it's very important that any job any profession that you try to take time to spend with your family with your loved ones in this case Kevin and I try to always reserve some time when we when we don't check business mail when we don't uh, focus on work Uh, we we have days um, our Mondays and Fridays we don't stream we would still work during the day but we we don't stream those days so that we can spend the afternoon and evening together um with the lockdown restrictions unfortunately some of our our hobbies are not possible at the moment but we try to go on long walks we try to stay uh, we try to go outside as much as we can when we are not in front of the the computer because we do spend a lot of time looking at the screen whether it's streaming recording videos or just uh, talking to um, my agent, talking about sponsorship deals and and such. So I think it's important, especially for for those of us working on the computer or with technology to to let it go for some time. And uh, there's life outside um, the office too. Uh, Kevin plays the guitar and sings. I, I started learning a little bit the piano. I'm very bad at it. And I just constantly stop and then come back to it, stop and come back to it. I try to have new hobbies too um there's a great game on switch called just dance i'm not a good dancer but it does make me move so we work out sometimes together or i do my just dance choreographies to follow what i see on the screen and uh, i think it's just um just what i said that you should you should try to forget that there's always work to do especially when you work for yourself it's a never-ending job and you could literally work 24 seven. If you wanted, it, it could help the channel for sure, but we want to make, we want to make sure that we look after our, our relationship and our, our souls as well.
0: Yeah. That's a, that's, that's an amazing answer. And I got to ask, how do you not burn out? Do you take like, what's the longest? And you know, I guess during COVID it's different because you're kind of, uh, this last year, but do you ever take two weeks off a month off? Do you feel kind of as a, as being on Twitch and a creator content creator? Like, do you ever feel sort of like, well, if I don't do this, I'm going to fall behind. And, you know, it's kind of an interesting thing with Twitch being consistent, right? Like I've, I've streamed for five years in this last year, uh, not as much or periods, not as much. I have a son now you I'm married it's a little different, but, you know, it's hard. Twitch is hard to come and not be on every day because if you just come back once a week, twice a week, every month, you know, it's your fans and your engagement isn't going to be there. Is that something that's like in the back of your head? Do you have a hard time saying, okay, I'm going to disconnect or, or do you find good balance and just how do you approach that?
1: I think for now it works uh, for Kevin and me saying that Mondays and Fridays we we don't stream and uh, we, we still do work during the day. And then have the afternoon and evening free. But I think once the world goes back to normal, we will definitely want to travel at some point. I haven't seen my my parents and my sister in over a year. So I I would definitely take more time off to see my family, to see friends. Um, as soon as traveling becomes safe. I I hope that my community will understand that I do I do want to see my family very much. And uh, we, we keep in touch through video calls, but it's not the same as being able to hug my mom. So I'll, I'll definitely take some time for that as, as soon as it's possible and safe.
0: Amazing. Well, listen, we we there's a zillion questions. You tell me a, a couple more, one more, two more, five more, whatever it is. Just tell me, and I'll scroll through and some because I know you. We, I can't again. I'm not going to quit you. So you guys give me a cue. You got to say, "Well, okay, Jeff, this is great, but this is enough." So you tell me when. Look at this. Look at how many. Look at the questions. <laughs> a lot of questions here. This is. I really appreciate
1: it. I really appreciate. it I can try to answer some of them on my stream too if, if I have some some time at the weekend. But maybe two more because I'm also getting hungry. So it's a uh, it's been I'm skipping yes. my dinner time so two more questions perhaps if that's okay
0: awesome that's perfect and then yeah that would be a treat if you could uh answer some because there are some good ones um I, I've seen and I'm not going to get uh get to a what what what's your favorite place in the world where's your favorite place you've gone whether it's for a tournament or just you, Siberia you mentioned I don't know if it's a <laughs> uh, super like destination spot cold and <laughs> Tundra is what I picture but um any spots in particular that you love chess or otherwise to go to
1: Spain would be definitely my pick where, where to live. I lived in Spain for a reason and only because I met Kevin and he, he was already settled down here in Ireland. I, I moved so that we can see each other more often. Uh, other than that, I think Spain for me is my one of my favorite countries, for sure, as as a holiday destination and also as a place to live um, outside COVID times, obviously the, the world is a very different place.
0: Very very, very cool, and the last one uh, let's see ooh, ooh, let's let's see a couple of good ones let's do this one the uh, someone asked about goals outside of chess do you have any specific goals for chess or, and for I guess for your community now you've kind of given up the the die hard, Uh, gamer or, you know, going for it to be the top, top in the world, you're doing more content and stuff. Do you have, do you have goals for Twitch for content and also in real, the real world outside of this, this beautiful thing we do of playing games and and, and, and for a living, uh, give me goals on and off those two categories and then we'll, we'll go we'll, I'll queue up the giveaway as you answer that and we'll, we'll wind down here so
1: sure sure Um in terms of goals uh, as a competitor I had as a goal to be on the Olympic team and it was amazing to to feel that I achieved that as a broadcaster I had a dream list of tournaments I wanted to cover and I'm very lucky that I take them uh, the world championship was one of the biggest ones but in 2018 I was hired as the host of the world chess championship match in London alongside Judith Polgar so that for me when was one one of the biggest events I ever covered. And now, obviously, the Champions Tour events on Hikaru's channel and being involved in Champs are the most recent events that I'm very proud of. Uh, As a creator and for the channel, I, I normally don't have numbers set as goals, but it did have... I think that Hikaru set a goal for me last year. He said in November that my channel had to hit 100,000 followers by the end of the year. And that was just over a little over a month to go. I was I was at maybe 60-70,000, I don't know. It felt like a mission impossible. I know I needed over 30,000 new followers in a month, and I thought this is not going to happen even just a few days before the end of the year i i i doubted a lot i thought maybe first week of january or by the end of january would have been more doable but then the community came together so much also his channel lavish channel pushing it that anna has to get the 100k anna has to get the 100k so on december the 30th just one day before the year ended my channel hit the 100k and now um we are in march and it has doubled in size in the meantime so that was Uh, of course, huge for me to see. Um, I guess this is the exponential growth I never understood in Matt's lessons that the very start is a lot harder than later because now I have more exposure and maybe more people get to hear about me. So it's easier in a way to gain new followers because of the size of the channel. Um, But what I always say is that apart from the numbers, to me, the most important on my channel is that I want my community to be known for being a very positive and wholesome place. We call it a wholesome place where everyone is very respectful and kind toward each other. And as as much as the channel grows, I just want to make sure that that stays that way, that my community is a place where people like to hang out. We have um, a really hardworking moderator team, and we just want to make sure that people who, who join us, they understand that, we don't want any toxicity or trolling or even just any kind of debates that can divide people. Uh, We want that to be taken um, to elsewhere. And uh, we want to make sure that in our community, on our channel, it's always just a very friendly, friendly and welcoming space where everyone is treated with the same amount of respect.
0: It's amazing. Well, I really do. Again, I appreciate it. This has been a treat. I learned a lot and uh, I got to know you better, which uh, I root for you always uh, in those choker matches. Hopefully in the future, there'll be some more of that. And uh, yeah, I really, really you know, continue to wish you success on your journey and uh, really great what you're doing. And I can see why so many people keep you know, they tune in, they, they, they seem, they love you. They respect you. You got art you got fans. You got, you got, uh, you got a nice thing going really, really cool. And hopefully we can uh, collaborate and we'll, you know, whether it's poker chess in the future, I'm going to work on it. I'm going to work on my game, try to get a little, little better. So, you know, in these next upcoming events and collaborations, I can at least, you know, feel comfortable to, to, to dive in and know like the, you know, speak the chess language, right? I don't you know, the, the E4s and these things. Like, <laughs> I want to get to that point where I can kind of uh, communicate. Like, poker, you know, everything, every game has a language, right? So does poker with terminology and and Indeed. And stuff and it's just like you don't want to you know you can know the basics and and go a long way so i just queued up this giveaway uh i'm gonna choose a winner you tell me when and we're gonna pick someone's going a 55 dollar ticket courtesy a party whoa party we'll do it we're gonna Whoa. give it away yeah you you're in control you get to do the rng this is dmp3's giveaway tool so we're gonna go ahead it's pretty cool little uh, retweet giveaway thing you i don't know if you do these ever like giveaway like this is a very nice little tool it, it populates it it form it, it takes bots out you pick the winner and then it, it uh you know you can set how many winners or whatever but we got one today and you get to choose the button and and you tell me when Wow,
1: well, i i didn't know of it i need to learn so i just need to tell you when to click or when to stop? Yeah. How does it work exactly? Yeah, yeah. It,
0: it's already populated. Everything's downloaded. Oh. You tell me when, but yeah, it'll 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 like do a random draw. It's just like a little bit of a let's cool, cool. do
1: it now.
0: Now choose a winner. Sh- sure, here we go. Someone's gonna win this fifty-five dollar. It's finished. There was no bots. They didn't redo it. So the man without. Uh, what's that say man without honor okay interesting title we're just this opposite of (laughs) my message we're going for on your stream but fair enough he uh he won fair and square and and, uh (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna send him a message uh, about winning his ticket and i will again i'll thank you very much for your time i know we went a little over really appreciate it give her a follow across all the different uh, platforms again and a twitch youtube uh, Instagram, Twitter, and, uh, of course, uh, your website. Those are, those were to find you and I wish you the best and I hope to see you on streams very soon.
1: Thank you so much for that, Jeff. I just want to thank you for this amazing opportunity. And I also see in your chat, four of my moderators. So that's how hardworking and dedicated they are. They are here in your chat too. My team has been around, shout out to the squad. And thanks again for the opportunity for being your guest on the podcast. Uh, I love the work you do. The fact that this is podcast number 132 goes to show how much effort and hard work you put into this series.
0: I, well, I appreciate it, and you know, it's like I said, uh, you, I don't, you're not married yet. You have a you have a very strong relationship. Congrats on that, and you know, get it, do your content, do your stuff before you have uh, children, because once once you do, it, it's things take a backseat. So I'm a, I'm like a semi, you know, I try to keep up with uh, Twitch and streaming and doing the podcast, but it's uh, you know, it's a new world. And um, again, all the best. Thank you so much. Amazing, amazing stuff. Again, I learned a lot, and I hope everyone follows along. If you're not already following. Uh, check you out across the platforms, and uh, would, and your streaming schedule is up on Twitch, so people can go there yeah. and then follow that along. So uh, again, thank you, thank you so much, and I'll uh, I'll check in with you very soon.
1: Thank you so much to you, and thank you for your community for having me here.
0: Absolutely, all right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. We'll have some more big, big episodes next week. This was a lot of fun. I'm going to host Matt Staples on a raid. We have moved our YouTube over from uh, from doing it on YouTube to Twitch for the podcast. So again, we'll uh we'll keep it going. We'll keep it rolling, and we got some big ones next week. Thank you. I will send the raid. I got to forget. I have to do that because it takes a second, right? That's how it works. I'm, I'm rusty. I'm like a rusty streamer. <laughs> like hot keys and how to do it. I honestly, I'm like, I'm, I'm it's sad. I used to stream a lot. I don't do it quite as much. So all right, let me, uh, I'm going to toss this right over to Matt Staples and, and Anna, we will uh, we'll see you soon. Good luck in the Joker's Gambit and whatever else you're doing, we'll tune in. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much again and see you guys soon in the future.
0: All right, cheers guys. See ya, say hi to Matt for me and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode. It was brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to partypoker.com to play tournaments, cash games and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes.